My name is Ollie Peer and this is Tim Warwood, ex-professional snowboarder and trampoline builder. I am pretty good at building trampolines. I can do it fast. And this is the Apre Podcast, the out of hours audio hole for all things winter. On the show today. I got about 30 seconds in to Thunderstruck and was like, dun, 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 and this thing's like. <laughs> Find out why Ski Sunday presenter Ed Lee's other name is Satan Whoppercock. We'll be carving out the ultimate winter playlist in making tracks. And the brand new ski game that will make you puke. Ah, so the sun has dipped, the slopes are icing over, the bashers are grooming tomorrow's runs and ski patrols are yelling at drunk punters. And we're here in our log cabin podcast studio next to the roaring fire here to catch you up on what you might have missed this week. First up, the season is cancelled. That's unless you're a pro, right, Tim? Pretty much. Um, or somebody with elite sports status. Um, Austria's a little different. Now, Austria are in full lockdown. Everything's closed. No riding your bike, no football, basketball, anything outdoors, really. Apart from skiing. They are absolutely fine with you going skiing, which I think is just absolutely brilliant. So if you're a local, you can head on to the uh, Austrian slopes and ride to your heart's content. It just goes to show how important skiing is over there. Um, If you fancy it, though, you can still watch some live skiing and snowboarding. You've got the Free Ride World Tour, which is kicking off. That's all uh, taking place. It's online. Um, We've got three stops heading for the season finale on the infamous Beck to Ross. Just frankly quite ridiculous slope in Verbier, Switzerland. But the thing that I've been giving my most attention to, it is natural selection. It's a brand new contest, believe it or not. Now in snowboarding, you've got different types. You've got racing going down between the gates, who can get down the fastest. You've then got half pipe, which is the U-shaped stunt ditch. Do the tricks, ride down and impress everybody. I've never heard it called a stunt ditch. Like A it. stunt ditch, yeah. Uh, and then you've got slope style, which is a smorgasbord of rails and jumps and you wind your way down with the most expression and best tricks that you can and then you've got big mountain free riding so that's top to bottom biggest cliffs um, riding the gnarliest line but Travis Rice and his cronies have got together and they've put on this brand new contest and it's called Natural Selection and it's aimed at finding the world's best all-round snowboarder because what they're doing is they're combining big mountain backcountry snowboarding so really deep powder, really steep lines with freestyle tricks, so huge jumps. Um, And it's basically this new facet of snowboarding that's um, starting to emerge, and it's looking to be very, very good. They had the qualification uh, last week. Now, it it is worth saying, it is Monday, the 8th of February, as we chat. They had the contest last Friday, the, the qualifiers, but it was incredible. Big mountain freestyle snowboarding tricks being done on these huge jumps with follow cam racing drone. You've probably seen them on Instagram, drones flying up and up and down the side of buildings, and you're given that first person view of it. Well, they're doing that yeah, yeah. now. They're following snowboarders over these jumps. It's like watching a video game. It's absolutely incredible. They're not manicured slopes at all. They just what build some jumps and let the snow fall on there and then that's it they just they go for it that's absolutely what they've done they've gone to these slopes in the middle of summer when it looks like the sound of music you know there's knee-high grass and big rocks and goats (laughs) everywhere and they've piled up logs they've piled up boulders and they've created what they hope in the winter when it snows will be these jumps and sure enough it has it's snowed it's dumped and these 
these jumps, these mounds of rocks have accentuated into these huge gargantuan gaps that these guys are now flying and throwing massive tricks over. It's truly breathtaking. Of course it's all available to watch online. Um, just give yourselves a Google for natural selection. Have a Google, natural selection. Um, it's a three-stop tour. The highlights are well worth the watch and uh, it truly is groundbreaking snowboarding. I've found a way that I can go to the mountain without actually going to the mountain, right? Oh. I bought an Oculus Quest 2. It's like a, a virtual reality headset thing. Yes, you know, I've you, seen these. I've only really played uh, a bit of table tennis on it, which is amazing, right? Like, I mean, it is literally like I'm playing table tennis. But I wanted to see if there was like a skill snowboarding app that I could play just to sort of like feel like I was in the mountains. And I found one. There no. sort of is one. You can't buy it, right? You need to be a bit of a nerd to figure out how to load it onto your, your headset. But it's a game called Descent Alps, right? It's in development. Mm-hmm. It's like pre-release. And you, you, you literally just have a pair of skis and some poles. You don't have any yeah. appendages and limbs or anything. It's a bit weird in that respect. <laughs> but it puts you at the top of a mountain and, and you lean like you lean when you ski and, and it turns. The thing is, you do get the sensation of moving. But after about 15 seconds, you start to feel very, very nauseous. And you're in your, f- <laughs> you're, you're in your 15? front. It's fifteen the, seconds. It, it really doesn't take long. You're because because it, it, it like goes up and down, like it's undulating. So you go, you you know, you'll go down a slope, and it's kind of fine. But then you'll go up, and your 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 body's anticipating that feeling of that sensation of going up, but you're but nothing's happening. I just wanted to throw up and be sick. But that said, I think there's like real potential in it. Like, especially at the moment, if I want to feel like I'm going skiing, I do get the sensation of moving and stuff, just feeling sick. So if they can figure that out, then come on. I think it's worth mentioning at this point, um, at the Apray pod on Instagram, and we'll get a video of Ollie skiing in his <laughs> living room for you to have a laugh at, because I think, I think I want to see that, never mind anybody else. I'm worried I'm going to crack my head open on the mantelpiece. <laughs> Hello? Who's that? It's Ed. Ed who? Ed Lee. Oh, it's Ed Lee, everybody! None other the season air turned UK professional. He's a winter sports journalist. He was once editor of the much-admired Whiteline Snowboard magazine. He's an Olympic commentator. Then again, so am I. Uh, he's a BBC Ski Sunday presenter. But more importantly than any of that, It's only the world air guitar champion from 2000, 2001 and 2002. It's Ed Lee, everybody. That was a good intro. That was a great intro, actually. Yeah. I've never had an intro that good. That was very impressive. (laughs) I think it's fair to say you're not the grandfather or the godfather, but you're certainly a big player in the the snowboard industry worldwide. Well-respected figure. You've, You've earned your stripes. In, in in action sports, yeah. I'd say I'm grandfather. Like, there's the great granddads, and maybe in their 60s and 70s, the true pioneers, but I'm sort of second generation. I wouldn't say I'm young anymore, but it's that I think if I'd have got on, if I'd got the BBC gig in 2002, they wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have been ready, and they wouldn't have been ready either. But 2006 seemed like Sean White was coming in. You're getting that kind of mainstream lean towards action sports and people were ready so and i i was able to do a professional enough job 
that I didn't offend them too much. But you went to Turin, didn't you? And you knuckled down. You did your research. You quit drinking. I mean, I'd not known you to quit drinking, but you, you stopped drinking. You took a PlayStation with you. You didn't go out and you studied snowboarding again. And, uh, and you delivered those Olympics for the BBC. Well, you, you, you just know, don't you? If you get given an opportunity like that, you'd be a fool to mess it up. And I looked at the schedule and they had no investment in me. So I was staying in Sestriere and I had to get up at between 3.30 and 4 o'clock every morning. It was only about a 40-minute bus ride, but the buses didn't link up at the central bus station. I had a like, two-hour wait, pre-dawn wait, in the darkness down in this town. And then I'd get up there for nine o'clock, grab all the paper and commentate for four hours and then go be home by seven. And then, yeah, exactly, lock myself in the room, play PlayStation or I think I watched Lost or something. I took a box set or something, <laughs> played FIFA and watched a box set and just lit, exactly, became a student of commentary and I learned so much so quickly, but it was unreal watching the, like being able to bring it to life for people and getting mates texting and saying, oh my God, it's going nuts back here. It's incredible. Because they I think they started playing samples on Radio 1 and yeah, pe it, people started getting lit up about it, which was amazing. It was a lovely feeling. Were you the sort of the first person doing commentary in that, in that way on snowboarding? Because like, who were you looking at to sort of either get inspiration from or go, oh, I'm going to make my style like them? Or like, did you have... Anybody that you were looking up to at that point, or did you just think, I've just got to do this from scratch in my own way now? Well, it was 10 years, almost to the day, since I'd had my first ever uh, snowboard commentary gig. From the Black Flies Big Air at the British Championships in Val d'Isere in 1996 to Turin, I'd been a student of that for 10 years, and I'd done all of the biggest... Uh, snowboard competitions at the time, the US Open, uh, the Arctic Challenge, Air and Style, the Battle. Uh, I've done, done some in Japan. I'd been all over the world and I'd worked out what worked, how you describe. I'd done stuff for Bordex where it's quite a, a mainstream audience. I'd done stuff uh, like the Battle where it's just a load of Swedes who are super into snowboarding. So I'd learned how you commentate for different audiences, what they need, and, and got, the, got the hang of that. And that's what I was saying before. Like, I was ready. By the time I got there, I understood mainstream media and I knew how to explain snowboarding and niche sports to uh, a, a broader audience. So I knew what I was doing. And there, but there were some really nice comments. I, like, a couple of people were like, look, you can't just be at 11 you need to have some light and shade in your volume and your excitement. So I started trying to work that in. I was like, okay, yeah, pace yourself, try and bring this to the boil. And then someone else would say, you need stories. Like, what's the story about this person? And you start building those. And yeah, you, you're always learning. You can always get better. But I'd got enough of a backstop. And I think that's why I, I was able to do a good job. I knew the riders, knew the tricks. And then it was just so tying them all together. All right, well, I think it's time to hit the slopes, chaps. Should we head to the lift? I think so. Now, the chairlift, for those of you who don't know, first plopped onto the mountain in 1936, and since then, there's four strangers together in close proximity while being dangled at a great height with the small yet still existent potential of plummeting to your death. This is the part of the show, Ed, where we ask our listeners to get in touch with their stories from the mountains, which we read and... Well, we'll judge them, Ed. That's what we'll do. We will judge these people. The thing is, it's the first episode. 
So I, I want to ask you about that Air Guitar Championship thing because I was wikiing you. I want to know about Satan Whoppercock. What, and how I got a job on the BBC after doing that? <laughs> I just want to know. I just want, to, I just want you to tell me everything there is to know about Satan Whoppercock. I want to know who this alter ego is. It started off, Matt Barr, the guy who does another podcast that I'm sure a lot of people, anyone who's into action sports will know, the Looking Sideways podcast. We worked at White Lines together and he got a commission from The Guardian one week to go and seek out. He said, Ed, they've asked me to go and cover the Air Guitar Championships. Just in case it's rubbish, do you want to come along and just get up there and do something to make it entertaining so I've got something to write about? I was like, oh yeah, Definitely. So I had a, I made myself, I was pretty dab ham with the sewing machine back in the day, and I made myself an evil Knievel suit, uh, like an all-in-one. <laughs> I went along in my evil Knievel suit, and there was there were some really good people there, like they'd got some good moves. Uh, I think they were called Bum BN3, which is like the Brighton postcode. Uh, which is where we were living and the event was held that year. But I went out, did Don't Fear the Reaper by the Blue Oyster Cult, and got joint first with them. And I decided never again, I was gonna win this. So in the year following, I developed the character, Satan Whoppercock, and uh, yeah, I didn't get beaten again. How do you win an Air Guitar Championship? There's no skill there, surely. You're just arsing around, throwing your hands in the air, jumping up and down. So we'll start with the stage prep. I built a nine foot penis with a detachable bell end in the back garden. Took me three months out of paper mache, chicken wire and wood. The fire extinguisher cost me 75 quid from a hokey ex-fireman and I didn't have enough money to test it. So I just rigged it up to the detachable bell end. The shaft split in half. Uh, so those are the props that we're talking about. I'd met uh, another hokey guy on a lay-by on the M40 and got bought a gerb off him, an indoor firework that again I didn't test until I lit it about two metres away from the front row of the audience that was, someone got a bit burned, like there were some eyebrows went missing there oh my um, God. Like I've got a mate's mum to quilt the shoulder pads on the red pleather outfit, I had spikes coming off it, I melted two dildos onto an Alice band for horns <laughs> One of those snapped off and started hitting me in the face in the second year. It was like the start of Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. When You, you know when he gets beaten to death with the dildo? It was horrific. It was, I got about 30 seconds in to Thunderstruck and was like, and this thing's like... Ugh, ugh, ugh. It was so painful. I was like, I'm not going to... And then it broke off and shot into the audience. And I'd never found it. But then the actual moves, yeah. like I had a couple of moves that like, mm. I've got very long tongue. Like I can pick my nose and touch the bottom of my chin with my tongue. So that kind of gives disgusting. it the Alice Cooper feel. And I'd cut mm. a lot of the music together. So I'd have Bon Jovi Slippery When Wet to bring me out of the penis. I'd have, in the biggest one, the last year, I used Led Zeppelin, A uh, Whole Lot of Love. So the penis would shake as it reared up close to its climax and then it was cut in with Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Relax, don't do it. Huh? 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 Lord! And then I had my wife-to-be working the fire extinguisher and we hadn't tested it and this jet arced out of the top of the penis and hit the roof of the stage 
then she said lean forward so I leant forward a bit and the second one arced out into the crowd hit my aunt in fact who uttered the immortal words to my mum Edward's just jizzed on me then I leant back and the last of the fire extinguisher uh, just dribbled down the front and then I smashed open the penis and lathered myself around in it but the hardest part of all of it you built all of that and you've done all of that my finishing my finishing move was the face drop and I used this in conjunction with the old James Brown I'm injured and someone would come out with my cloak and then put it round me and kind of walk me off stage but then I'd throw the cloak off and come out and do the finale but the face drop you swing the guitar around catch it behind your head you're then playing the guitar behind your head kind of ACDC mm. style and then you fall forwards onto your face but you use your elbows which are poking out to break your fall and try and tuck your face in but I did I gave myself a good knock a couple of times like I wasn't acting when I got <laughs> carried off so there was no encore <laughs> you didn't go back on afterwards all like smooth throwing off the thing but I dislocated I'll just show you quickly these are oh, my god. clavicles oh god Oh, God, what is that? Looks like a thumb growing out of your shoulder. Yeah, my collarbones aren't attached to my shoulders anymore, and I did that in late 2002, I think. Yeah, when your head's not attached to your body properly anymore, you can't spend three minutes head-banging at speed. So, yeah, I retired. You had to give up. Yeah, yeah. Undefeated. Yes, you had to give up air guitaring because it was was more detrimental to your health than snowboarding. That's, uh, well, quite the accolade for air guitar championships so we're at the top ed so you get to decide do you want to do park or pow park or pow like only a fool goes to the park on a powder day we're going to the powder it's a choice that your 43 year old knees will thank you for Now, it's not as simple as just riding to the bottom, though, Ed, um, because you're going to have to answer some questions along the way. Get one wrong and you'll face a costly stumble, running with a tree or worse, a torn scrotum. Uh, Get them right, however, and it's champagne powder turns all over your face, my friend. You're in larks. Your answers will determine how well you get to the bottom of the hill. Let's go. As of the 31st of December 2019, what was the population of Larks to the nearest hundred? Uh, I'm going to go with 1,600. It's very close. It's 1,885. Oh, it's a good toe-side turn by Big Eddie, but unfortunately the powder's not quite there. And he snags a tree stump, but he's still on his feet. Have I torn my scrotum? If you get this wrong, a torn scrotum could well be on the way. Larks featured in the 2003 Xbox snowboarding game Amped. Two, name three of the 14 pro riders featured in that game. Tara Dekides. Who? Uh, Bjorn Lines. Yes. Uh, Sean White. No. Uh, Kevin Jones. No. Yussi Oxenon. Uh, no. Jeremy Jones. Yes. Ed can spot a heelside turn. It's banking up lovely. He's approaching it with so much speed. Come on, Ed. Best female snowboarder in 2002. One Olympic gold. Tora Bright. Yes, yes! Yes! And he hits the bank. Huge hillside turn. The champagne powder flies over his head. He puts in an absolute belter. Question three, Ed. According to Lark's resort website, how many kilometres of piste does it boast? This could be a torn scrotum. 231. Oh, he's close. 224, isn't it, Ed? Oh, oh 
surely. You see, he's hit a flat spot at the bottom of the gully. And look, finally, for what has been a relatively shoddy run, according to the live webcam of Lark's Flim's website right now, how many lifts are open? None. 28. <laughs> I mean, but you said live webcam and it's 10 to 9 at night. No, Ollie, no, no, so listen. Actually, listen. None would be open right now. What, what I actually said. There's nothing open. There's well, no lifts open. Hey, right listen, now. listen. I know the lifts aren't open, okay, but, but the website says that 28 are. Wait, what's this? All of a sudden, the 4,000 strong crowd gathered at the bottom of the resort look up at Hollywood Rock. They see Ed Lee emerge from the trees. He rides down, he puts in a speed check heelside turn just to scrub a bit of speed and launches. Satan Walker. The crowd look up. They go crazy as Satan Walker falls 40, 50, 60 feet and boom explodes in a powder explosion. The goggles are off, his legs are gone, the scrotum is torn and Big Eddie has failed. Big Eddie, you Fantastic. failed at the, the Hollywood jump at the bottom. I'd have given you that, though, in all fairness. You're right. How many lifts are open right now? Well, I would have said none as well. Well, this is why it says according I, to the website. I'm, I'm most upset that I, w- I wasn't given the 231 kilometres. Like the, the population was a sheer guess. Listen, you're there. Whenever I visit anywhere, the first thing I do, Ed, is look up the population numbers and check out how many pieces I've got. <laughs> it's all okay, Ed, because you can redeem yourself. In a section we call Making Tracks. We know how integral music is to snowboarding and ski culture. So this is like our version of Desert Island Discs. This is your soundtrack to a day on the mountain. So we're going to start off right... You've just got to the mountain, however you get there. I don't know, maybe you've got an easy jet flight, crappy little bus, you're up the top, and you get on your first chairlift. What are you listening to? Well, my son and I have a routine. We actually drive up the mountain at home, and this track is what we sit in the car and play as loud as we possibly can. He's 12, so he just loves it because there's swearing in it. But I, this, this is one of the most legendary sections from Project 6. And I, I pure straight love this track. It is Fucking Hostile by Pantera. That's actually from, a, that's from a, an old, old snowboard movie from back in the day called Project 6. And it was the slam section. I think that was that 94, 95? Like my whole body's fizzing now. It's like, again, it's that kind of, my body knows what's about to happen. It's like, you're going to go and throw yourself around the mountain. But um, Oscar, yeah, me and Oscar just sing that at the top of our voices. Then we get out and go and absolutely tear the mountain to bits. I love, that is my ultimate warm-up track. All right. Um, now we need you to pick a riding track for us. Now, are you the type of rider that can ride with music in your ears? Because I found very early on, found out very quickly very early on that I couldn't ride with music in my ears because it amped me up so much. I would overshoot jumps and land and just explode and, and I could never ride because I'd get so excited by the music. I'd ride too fast and do crazy things. So are you that type of rider as well? hundred percent. Yeah, I did it once. I did it uh, on a runway called Mineshaft at the back of Val d'Isere. And I leapt off a solid 10 metre cliff, having not even scoped it, to a flat landing. And somehow I landed in between two boulders. It was dead flat landing and my weight landed in between. So I got the full ring of the board and it popped me back out again like a spring. 
was on like proper wily coyote. And I got away. I literally got away with murder. I should have broken both my femurs. And I was like, well, that's the end of music. <laughs> got, same as you. Just got so excited and just sent it. All right, then. So if you're not riding with it, then this is a track that is put together to all of the very best riding footage that has ever been collected of you. It's edited by the world's best editor. What track are you dropping on that footage? It's what I'd like to listen to if I was riding massive Alaskan powder fields. And so if I had a section and I was riding Alaska, this is what I'd have it to. Because I'm, I'm not really that radical anymore. I'm, I'm really partial to Beck. I love his voice. And this is one of the chemical, I think this is one of the Chemical Brothers' best tracks. Uh, it's wide open. It is such a good track. It's an absolute banger. Yeah. And when you're riding, like it's, it's not one that's going to send you over the edge either. So since that moment then, have you not bothered listening to music at all? No, I've had a, I've had a couple of days. I remember when phones, like this is how old I am, I remember when phones came in. I went to Adelboden for the slalom race and it's one of my favourite ever ski Sundays it dumped probably about a meter and they're running the slalom and next to the slalom are these epic trees and the lift that accesses the slalom is just for media and racers I was only ever needed in between the two runs to do a little bit of linking with Graham and then at the end of the race so I was absolutely shredding a meter of power in the trees and I'd have to walk back past the stadium after each run. So every couple of laps, I'd tuck my head in and just be like, uh, do you need anything? Like, no, 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 you're fine. So I'd go and take another lap. And I had that Horrors album on uh, with a whole new way on it. And I've got so into that. Got that, that reminds me, any time I hear the Horrors now, it's an epic deep powder day in the trees. So you're, you're at the end of your day then. Bit of app praise on the cards. You go up to the DJ. What do you want? Uh, there's a producer called Wait What who did a couple of remixes, mashups of the XX and Biggie Smalls. And this one's called A Juicy Intro. It's Juicy by Biggie with um, the XX intro as the bed, if you like. I, I pure straight love this track. If anyone plays this, then I'm on point. I'm on the dance floor. Big Eddie on the dance floor. Ed. It's been an absolute pleasure. Tim talks about you all the time, and I've never met you, so it's lovely to meet you. You know, if anybody comes across Eddie, if they're ever out on the slopes and they do come across Big Eddie, you're talking to a man that has lived it and breathed it for 25, 30 years, probably there or thereabouts. He's an absolute frother. And should anybody ever meet Ed at the top of the lift, do go and say hello. Do go and say, shall we have a run? Because I guarantee he would absolutely love to indulge you with a run on a slope. There's very little I enjoy more than when, like you get the old Ski Sunday fan who pops up and on the hill, they recognise you when you're filming and go and do a lap with some Ski Sunday fans. It is so much fun. Satan, Whoppercock, Satan. Satan. <laughs> Thanks for having me, boys. So that's Yay. it. That's the end of the show for this week. Uh, Tim? If I wanted to catch up with all the latest Ed Lee news, how would I do that? He is, of course, at Snow Ed Lee on Instagram. He's quite a prolific Instagrammer uh, and he's always got the snow goods over there. So, yeah, go and go and uh, look him up. And, of course, we'd love for you to be part of the show. Uh, we want to hear your most embarrassing winter sports stories for our chairlift chat for next week. So you can get in touch with us, theappraypod at gmail.com. Send them to us now. Yeah, and if you love this, then do make sure that you hit the subscribe button 
to hear us every single week when the new episode drops and to find out who's joining us in the cabin next week. Have a sneaky peek. Maybe have a think about some questions. What do you want to know? Who is it? Who could it be? Head on over to our Instagram. We are at the Apray Pod where we'll be revealing that news first, plus a bunch of videos from today. Uh, But do be warned, we've been locked down a fair bit and we're just looking a bit haggard, aren't we? Just a little bit. Uh, Thanks again to Ed. Thanks to you, Tim, of course. You too. Thanks to our producer, Matt Hill, at Rethink Audio. We'll see you on the slopes next week.